This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clap Your Hands podcast, a game day edition of the Clap Your Hands podcast. We're going to preview game three, uh, talk about what the Sixers need to do to essentially put this series away. I think we would both agree a win tonight really kind of ends it. Uh, what we expect from the Nets, maybe do a quick little look around on, on the on the rest of the conference, the rest of the NBA playoffs. But as we always start first, make sure you got the Odyssey app. Uh, the podcast is brought to you by Odyssey Sports. Hit that auto download button so you can get all the episodes as soon as they come out. You can get Kyle's uh, a post game, uh, you know, uh, thoughts on what happened. And Kyle, I, I think we would both agree a win tonight, and this thing is basically over. Yeah, I mean, just from a selfish perspective, I don't root for the team. I root for what's in my best interest, <laughs> and the best possible outcome is the Sixers ended on Saturday. And the series is over at like 3.45 p.m. on Saturday. Yes. I cruise back to Philly on the train, train home at night from New York City. And then I just have a few days ahead of me to rest, recharge, and uh, get my real life stuff in order <laughs> before uh, round two begins. So that's that's the ideal scenario for me. Well, look, I think we can all agree that the mantra going or the, you know, the fighting cry going in tonight is do it for Kyle. So, so <laughs> end for Kyle, go up 3-0, make sure the Nets quit. Um, it is funny. So with traveling, uh, obviously, I know you go to all, to all the playoff games. Um, it is wild how much it just completely disrupts your life. Like you would think it's not that big of a deal. You're just going to Brooklyn. But as we've seen, you know, the bookshelf is slowly getting smaller in the back. I know you got a lot going on. So the trip to Brooklyn, I think, like I said, from the Sixers perspective, get this done for Kyle. So Kyle can come back Saturday night, enjoy that train ride and start uh, start previewing the Boston series. But I I'll say this on what I'm looking for in, in tonight's game. I'm going to issue a challenge to this team. Issue a, uh, you know, if Doc Rivers won't do it, maybe I they'll, they'll listen to me and do it for you. Like, go come out tonight and end this thing right away. This is the last shot the Nets have. This is the absolute last effort you will get from them. First game at home, down 2-0. What do they say? A series never begins or whatever that corny saying is until some team wins on the road. This is their chance to go out tonight. Don't come out like game two. Don't come out and give them hope. Don't come out if you're James Harden and play sloppy. Come out and show that kind of killer instinct. I, I thought last night... Maybe we'll talk about it in a minute, but prior to that Lakers-Memphis game, uh, Charles Barkley was talking about the Lakers and said, this will tell us what you need to know about them. If they can come out and win this game, like, are they real, right? No Ja Morant, no Steven Adams. And what do the Lakers do? They come out and they, they immediately fall behind like 15 points. They look sloppy. It was just a disgusting performance from them, right? The Sixers tonight, I believe that's in them. That's because Anthony Davis is a big-time fraud, but that's oh, a, dude, a whole other... 
the biggest fraud. Like watching him play, it's so funny to think him and Embiid used to get compared. And I know Embiid has improved and Anthony uh, Davis has regressed. But yeah, he's he's the fraudiest of frauds. But for the Sixers, come out tonight, man, and just put it away early. Come out, step on their throats, tell them they don't have a chance. Embiid come out and dominate right away. Harden come out and make up for that game two performance. I'm not saying if they lose tonight, they can't beat Boston or they're not a real team. Series go five and six all the time, and, and it's not the end of the world. But to, but to your point, like get this over with. And I think tonight's a chance to really show that killer instinct that maybe we haven't really always seen from this team. Yeah, look, like we talked after game one about what are the benefits of that the play-in tournament and the lead-in, and it's that you have a long time to prepare. You have a long time for guys to get healthy. You have a long time to just take stock of Boston and who they are and what they're going to do to defend you and so on and so forth. And unlike Brooklyn, Boston at least had the same team basically the entire year. So yeah. it's not like you're making up a scouting report from scratch on what they're going to do to you. You can actually sit down and say, okay, we have a pretty good idea, a firm idea of what Boston will do. So the quicker you get to that stage, the more beneficial it is to you. Like all that, all those extra days, even if it's just one day, two days, potentially three days, those are really important this time of year because, you know, as someone who's been on the the playoff travel where it can get to it's every other day in the series where you're just game tonight, flying the next day, game the next day, flying the next day, mm -hmm. game the next And it's just this relentless drumbeat that doesn't stop until you close out a series. Now, Brooklyn obviously is a different scenario and the yeah. Sixers do fly private and charter and all that. So it's, Slightly say, different than Toronto's not a long flight either on a, on a <laughs> charter flight, but I, but yes, to that point, go, sorry, it's go it's a little different than slumming it in coach, obviously, but <laughs> but all that stuff adds up by the end of the playoffs, and the teams that can be the freshest, the most rejuvenated, just and that I don't mean just physically, I mean mentally too. You have yeah. that time to to decompress, and you're you're not constantly in the foxhole like all right tonight's a game and i gotta get my rest i gotta eat right i gotta do this and like all those things are important when you have the off days too but you can let your hair down a little bit you can just de-stress from these you know climactic moments late in game so there's a lot of value to this on the mental side of it certainly with how health has been this key factor for the sixers in the playoffs year after year after year the more you can allow guys to rest and, and kind of get rid of those accumulated bumps and bruises i think that's a big thing too and look i think they've said all the right things coming into this game right like tyrese maxi at practice on wednesday says we got to try to put our put our foot on them like yeah. and that's not the type of thing you normally hear tyrese say he's more of a you know mild manner type guy and so to have that mentality going into this game to know that they have to match the urgency that brooklyn is going to show you know that's I won't say it's half the battle, but it might be like 30% of the battle. No, I look, I think in this series, a lot of the battle is just the mental part of the Sixers coming out and playing their game because they are better, right? I mean, they're, they're obviously better. We've seen that for two games. It's interesting. You said Tyree said that um, I'm hoping personally, that's something a that he feels genuinely. And I do believe that, but also hopefully something he's like echoing from hearing from leadership, right? Cause he also talked, I saw some quotes 
about how Joel has been a much more vocal leader this year. It was either him or Doc, I think, that was talking about. It was Tyrese, yeah. It was Tyrese, yeah. The 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 step forward Joel has taken. Um, you're around Joel, obviously, much more than me. I do think it's interesting seeing him, him on game days. He is very quiet, like, before games. He's not a jumping all around, rah-rah guy. He comes out, he warms up. He almost looks like he doesn't talk to anybody, and then he's just in game mode. But I would hope that coming into tonight, whether it's him, whether – it's James, whether it's PJ, right, or or Doc, that somebody is saying, look, guys, like tonight is the night we end this series. Tonight is the night we come out right away and we just end it. And I think to to your point about the injuries and about the, um, you know, ending it early, there is absolutely a benefit of ending it in four. And then you almost get, you'll get, I think, almost a full week or like five or six days until they could start that Boston series. But the other part of this is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't Joel break his face in the final minutes of the Toronto series? Like it was right. Wasn't it the final game where that happened? And it was a blowout. And it was a yeah, blowout. It was game, the right? final moments of game six. Now right. also keep in mind, he had gotten hurt in game three. That was a separate injury with. It was the hand, was his, right? His hand. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like he was going to emerge from that series unscathed regardless. But that, I, that was a talking point at practice on Wednesday. It was like, look, these guys have seen. You play with your food. You let a series go on too yeah. long. You never know what's going to happen. And so that they should know in the back of their minds, as well as anybody, that your ability to try to contend might hinge on just getting out of this round, no health concerns, no injuries, whatever. And then, look, we're fully locked and loaded. We head into Boston, and, and they're looking at themselves, and they're saying, great, this is awesome this is our best chance we're going to have or that we could have in this scenario, even with Boston having home court advantage. And like, look, if you win a confident, comfortable 4-0 against Brooklyn, I know that everybody's expecting them to win, but just that, you know, it's that little mental boost. Like, yeah, we are the team that people said we are and that we believe we are. We looked at a team that's not as talented as us and we just – quickly escorted them out the door that that's what you want to feel if you're the Sixers. well the quote i've been thinking about is the one you relayed from james harden where it was when you win in the playoffs you feel like you're never going to win it you're never going to lose again and when you lose it feels like you'll never win again i can say i believe in the team you can tell people they should believe in the team fans can say it we all know that this team is on thin ice when it comes to fan belief right so if they come out tonight James plays poorly again. They lose the game. You can't tell me that. I mean, no one will say they're going to lose the series, but of course people will come out and say, James doesn't look good. So to your point, I think for a team that has a ton of emotional and mental like baggage with this playoff run winning in four, what would be really big. So let's actually just get into the game for a minute. Um, I think the main thing with this series has been, how are they going to play Joel? We saw in game one, they kind of blitzed him right away, doubled him as soon as he got the ball. Game two, very similar thing, maybe some slight variations on when they did it, uh, how quickly they they kind of went to him. I'm curious in game three, both from being at practice, but also as someone that has completely called this series correct on what he expected. <laughs> what do you what do you think for game three tonight? Do you, do you think you see a big change? Is this more on one on one Joel where he has to carry him? What do you expect to see? If I had to guess, it's going to be more of a mix of stuff because clearly at the end of that game two. They went away from the doubles. Now, that's not to say they didn't double him at all at the end of the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, but it was, you know, a decent amount of, hey, Joel, we're going to let you go against single coverage with Nick Claxton or Royce O'Neal or any number of other people guarding him. So 
you know, I, I think we'll probably see more of that if I had to guess. I don't think they ideally they don't want to show him one look and say, this is it, and this is how you read it, and this is where you pass the ball every time, right? Because that's where they've gotten in trouble. And in the third quarter of game two, it was so easy because they got the ball to Joel, the double came, he turned, corner shooters open, bang. And even if that guy's not taking the shot, he's beating the closeout. He's making the quick pass to Tobias in the dunker spot. Like it just became almost a robotic, automatic type offense for the Sixers. Now that's very good on their end, very bad on Brooklyn's end. So I think they'll probably want to disrupt that a little bit. I know Joel actually said after the game, he's like, they didn't really change anything. Like they've just been doing the same thing. (laughs) And honestly, just from a, you know, set aside whether it's the right thing to do tactically, I think the pride component kicks in and they're like, oh man, this fucking guy is saying that we're not doing anything or not changing (laughs) anything. Like, I think at that point, they'll probably look at that and do something. Um, The message that I've seen coming out of Brooklyn seems to be, you know, they want to prioritize running more and, and setting the pace and, that that's sort of been the thing the whole series. Like Jacques Vaughn has said, we want to make them play on our terms. Like the whole reason that they're doubling Joel Embiid is because when Joel gets the ball and you single cover him, he runs the clock down. It's a lot of sizing a guy mm-hmm. up, using his jab step, his pump fake, waiting for somebody to jump and either going by him, drawing the foul, or just taking a jumper over somebody. Now, if you double him, you're making him play faster. That hasn't really been a disadvantage for Philly so far, but the Nets seem to think that the faster the game is played, the more it tilts toward their favor. So I do think pace is going to be a big priority. Um, I know a few of the Nets writers have inquired about whether Cam Thomas is going to get minutes in game three or four. He obviously is like a big, he's like the ultimate Elliott Shore Parks player, just the ultimate bucket guy. I actually. I don't remember if I said it on the podcast. I know I said it on press route that um, Tyrese Maxey had a game that was like the Cam Thomas dream. <laughs> he had like 23 points, zero rebounds, zero assists. Yeah. Three my quarters kind of game, in game yeah. two. And that is sort of, oh my God, that's Cam Thomas. It's like waking up in the middle of the night in a fever sweat. Just, oh, I wish I could have that. <laughs> so I guess we'll see if they go to him, but it doesn't seem like Vaughn is particularly inclined to play him more. And if you play Cam Thomas, this is the one of the big problems facing the Nets in this series. Cam Thomas or more Seth Curry or more Joe Harris, all those guys add offense and shooting in different ways, but they all have the same problem in that James Harden on an island can destroy those guys. And even if James Harden isn't killing them, there is a lineup out there to start the fourth quarter in game two, it was like James, DeAnthony, Jalen McDaniels, and I'm forgetting one other guy and Paul mm-hmm. Reed. But every single one of those guys are guys that I was like, if Seth Curry is guarding them, I would give that guy the ball and just say dribble at that motherfucker because Seth Curry can't guard anybody. And if you yeah. have four guys who can reason- reasonably handle the ball, and the Nets are just kind of letting that isolation. Oh, it's Tobias Harris was the fourth guy who I absolutely trust. Yeah, you put Seth Curry yeah. on, in the mid post. Tobias is just going through him. His only chance is just flop and try to draw an offensive foul, essentially. So if the Nets play those types of guys, the Sixers have the personnel to say, we don't even really need to do anything complicated. We'll force a switch. 
We'll give it to one of these other role players who's capable of attacking this guy one-on-one. And so that's, I don't really see the path for Brooklyn, but they're going to have to try something because, you know, they've done the hard doubles. Those haven't worked. They tried small ball and that worked for a period last game, but ultimately having to hard double Joel on every possession because of that makes it basically impossible to stop the Sixers from getting an open shot. There are not really many cards left that they have to play. So the the last question I had for you about tonight's game, but it's it's a little big picture. I don't think we talked about in the last pod probably as much as we should have. James Harden has a shot hasn't shot a free throw in this series. Um, you talked about how if they go with a lineup that has more Seth Curry, Joe Harris, you know whoever, that Harden is someone that should be able to cook them. Really anybody, but but you would hope Harden. What do you think of the no free throw thing? Do you, you think it's fluky? Because he is going to the basket. We can't say he's missing all these layups and then say he's not going to the basket. So maybe it's fluky. Do you think he's avoiding contact? Just What do you think of the no free throw thing? Well, I, I do think that he has not gotten the most favorable whistle. Um, mm-hmm. That that can just happen sometimes. Uh, right. I, and it's only two games. It's not a large sample size. Yeah. Like, and... What I would say to that, though, because the Sixers have played up that angle quite a bit, is, okay, he hasn't gotten a favorable whistle. Maybe he's just not going to. And he's going to have to adjust to that reality, Mm -hmm. right? Like over the last couple of years, some of the stuff that he likes to do that has powered him on offense for, for a long time or been a part of his repertoire for a long time has gotten cut down on by the NBA. I won't say it's been eliminated, but they've tried to cut down on the theatric drawing fouls or foul drawing I should say where James is like over exaggerating contact and the league has tried to go away from that now they're not always the best at doing so guys like Trey Young still find a way to draw those calls and I I do think there might honestly be an effect of like okay the the officials give Joel the like MVP level respect and they're just not going to give another guy on the Sixers those type of star level calls. So maybe yep. it's just a, it's a, a commentary on where James is at in the league hierarchy. People can dismiss that or dispute that if they want to, but I would imagine that plays at least a small role. But honestly, I, I just published an article at Philly voice and I looked at a lot of doc talked at practice on Wednesday and said, you know, some of James's problems or some of the way we can help him is that, our spacing was just bad in the first half of game two. And there are a lot of times where James would go to score or go to drive. And it's one thing to have multiple defenders in the paint, but we had multiple, our guys, multiple James teammates in the paint. And that can't happen. I'll tell you, I looked through the tape of his shot attempts and his turnovers from the first two games. There might be like one example where Mm. there are two teammates in the paint and Look, when that happens, it's hard for him to do much of anything, right? You get there and there's four bodies near the rim. Trying to finish in that type of traffic or even playmake in that type of traffic is really, really difficult. So I don't put that on him. But a lot of it has just been he's not finishing when he gets there. Like, yeah. I, I think the good thing has been he's been able to get by some guys, get by Mikhail Bridges, get by Nick Claxton and show off the burst he needs to get to the second level of the defense. But once he's there, there's been no real explosion. There's been a lot of James, again, trying to sell contact. He had Seth Curry on an island on a possession. He ends up drawing a second defender as Jalen McDaniels flashes out to the three-point line. 
and doesn't see McDaniels and prioritizes the, you know, just kind of throwing his arms up, exaggerating the Curry contact, he doesn't get the call. And then the one example that I saw of two guys in the paint for Philly was in transition and they're in the process of spreading out. James turns the ball over before he even crosses the three point line. So it's not like, Oh my God, he got to the free throw line is looking to score and it's condensed there. It's this is about to open up. And James was so mentally unaware of Royce O'Neal behind him that he didn't protect the ball. Like that's not a problem that has to do with spacing that has to do with James just not having a good floor sense of, of where everybody's at on the court. So I think the more I've looked at it, the more disappointed I've been with this play inside the arc. Interesting. I don't I don't really agree with, you know, I'm sure some of it with Doc because he's trying to protect his guy, right? Like he's not going to go out there and say, yeah, James has sucked and he needs to be right. better. It's, well, we saw this with go- Ben, right? Like he defended Ben for years. So we know that Doc is never going to do that at the podium. Right. It just doesn't benefit great. him to come out and be truly honest about it, right? right? And, never does. and look, yeah. there's also some truth to there are times when their spacing has to be better. I do think that's impacted trying to get the ball to Joel more than it is James. Because I, I think if you look at it, when James has a isolation against somebody and the Sixers see he's looking to score, I think honestly they've done a pretty good job of like PJ will clear out or Jalen McDaniels mm-hmm. will clear out or Tobias will clear, like whoever it is will move out of the way and move into a spot that is best suited to be there for a drop off from James. So I would say I'm relatively concerned about where James is at as a finisher. And, you know, we'll see if it comes around here. Maybe it's just a, a fluky two game sample, but right. I, I am not feeling great about it right now. Well, that was a concerning answer. <laughs> not, not the answer I was hoping for. Um, all right. So I know you have to get to Brooklyn. So the, the last thing, the, the literal last question, I guess, unless you have a Giannis take, I think the Giannis back injury is concerning and really good news for the Sixers. So I think that's a, a, the biggest news that's going to happen in this first round. But just last thing is, do you think they win the night? Like we don't get to do a lot of game day pods. I mean, what's your prediction? I, I think they come out and they handle business and win. What do you think? I kind of think these guys are going to be assholes and extend this series a little bit. Uh, um, I, I'm i not going to say I'm picking Brooklyn to win. I just, there's always, and this is where I sympathize with the fans who have pushed back on the, like, this team is different, blah, blah, blah. Right. This is kind of the natural letdown game, right? And the natural Brooklyn comes out and season's on the line. You get the 3-0, you're getting the 1-2-3 Cancun Nets. Yeah, it's at, over. Right? Yep. At 1 o'clock on Saturday. And so I, th- I think this represents kind of the last gasp from Brooklyn. I do think the Sixers, maybe not Tyrese Maxey, who's thinking about putting the foot <laughs> on them, but I think the Sixers overall, there are a lot of vets on this team who are probably like, eh, we don't need to take these guys that seriously. And there is justification for that, right? Like, I think Brooklyn has played pretty well the first two games relative to expectations. And the final outcomes are not really that close in the end. So I think maybe Brooklyn is able to steal this one here and just sets up for the most annoying and unnecessary game five (laughs) at the beginning of next week. They'll lose like a few days off and it's not a huge deal if it happens. But yeah, it what I always think about, again, this is the selfish Kyle Newbeck perspective. The only perspective is, to have, Kyle. Is what is the most annoying thing they can do for 
for me <laughs> and to me personally. Yeah. And it's just to play one more game. So yeah. Well, I always think about that when the Eagle schedule is about to be released and my wife's like, so we gonna, when, when, when are we going to be free in the fall? And I'm like, well, I guarantee you this, the schedule will come out and make my life tough. But the, so let's wrap this up. I, I agree that they, this could be annoying tonight, but again, my challenge for them is come out. Don't do what you did in game two. I think your, your point about them not taking them seriously. We saw that in game two. Don't do it again. Come out tonight win the game, let Kyle go home on Saturday, get this thing over with, make people believe in you, and hopefully tomorrow, when we're doing our post-game pod, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about, we're impressed how they came out and how they handled So, thank you everybody for listening. Um, obviously, enjoy the game tonight, and the game the pod. We'll be back with you.